This is The Art Life. Hello, I'm Zondra Robinson-Burns, founder of Heroin Training, where we learn to be the protagonists of our lives through my essays and podcasts like this one. This episode is called Art and Barter. We're talking about skill sharing, trading, and whether it's okay to barter services or if we should always insist on payment. And to join me in this lively discussion today is my lovely co-host, actress and activist, Grace Gordon. Grace, how is your art life? My art life is inspired. So a couple of weeks ago, I told you on the show about how I hosted a book release party for my friend Henry at Book Soup here in LA. And it was a great event. You can go back a couple episodes to hear about it. But um, around the same time, maybe even the same week, there was an event at the Natural History Museum here in LA that I really wanted to go to. There was an event about um, horror filmmaking they're doing like this special exhibit right now about horror. I haven't been yet, so I don't know what to t- I don't know how it relates. But uh they're doing this event and they had one of my favorite directors come for a discussion about horror filmmaking. Uh it's Andy Muschietti, the director of It and It Chapter 2. And for anyone who follows me on any social media whatsoever, you know that I am a huge passionate fan of It in particular. Not just Stephen King, but It. So I really wanted to go to this event, Zandra, and it was like, I saw it on a day where I was like super broke and I had other stuff to worry about and I just was like, okay, I'll wait on getting tickets because I don't have the money right now. And by the time I had money, it had sold out and I was just so sad about this. The night that it happened, I was so sad. I had complete FOMO. And I I felt really upset with myself, too, for, like, not making it work and not jumping on the the opportunity because I had never met Andy or his producer partner. Um, His sister, Barbara, produces all his films with him. And it's just like they're so inspiring to me. And I just I was I was miserable that I missed my opportunity to meet them, especially in what seemed like such a fabulous event. So I tried to just let it go. And I told myself that something better will come along. And lo and behold, two weeks later, Barbara posts on Instagram that she's doing a book event with Andy at Book Soup. And not a week prior, I had just hosted a book release there. So they end up having this uh, this book release. It was a discussion with the author who wrote The Worlds of It, which is a sort of behind-the-scenes book about the making of the two films. Um, it's a fantastic book. I had an amazing discussion with the two of them um, about films that we had seen recently and talking about editing and the ways like filmmaking works in Hollywood and the audience here and it was really cool I got to talk to them for a while and he was thrilled that I had a an it tattoo but I also had an opportunity to ask a question during the Q&A part and because we were in a bookstore and I just felt in my element I asked them what book they would want to adapt next 
and I was clear just from the from the discussion prior like both of them were really prolific readers and um they loved the question and Andy of course joked that like he has only read the same book for the past five years while he's been making these Ed movies <laughs> but um they both shared their choices and I wrote them down and after like when I was talking to them they they wrote down a bunch of more a bunch more suggestions for me and we ended up having this really personal connection that was 100% authentic you know it was about reading it's like I can't I, there's no more of a comfort zone for me than talking about reading or in specifically like the intersection of books and filmmaking. And I'm just like, I'm so inspired and I'm so glad that I missed that other event because the one that I ended up going to was so much better for me. Um, it was so much better for my interests and I, it was much more of an intimate conversation that I got to have with them than it would have been if I had gone to this big like structured talk. So basically, Zandra, my art life is inspired and I'm like staring at the list that they wrote me on my whiteboard right now, pinned to my whiteboard, and I'm just really happy. I am grinning because this is such a perfect story and I, I too, am, reading is my happy place. And so I... I'm wondering by your use of inspired, if you're referring to the conversation and the book recommendations that you received or to how this whole event played out first with the disappointment and then with something better. I'm definitely inspired by by them as artists and by the conversations that we had and and also now by having read this book about making the films but more than that i think i'm just inspired by the way that all of this these circumstances panned out and and quickly i mean in the grand scheme of things two weeks right between crushing disappointment and awesome discussion and personal connection and um I'm inspired by that and I'm I'm just like very grateful and inspired by what felt like once again just talking to people as peers connecting about this film we had all recently seen and talking about the editing together and just like now having an opportunity to read some of their favorite books if I want to um I'm inspired by the reminder yet again that we're all just people and as much as I admire both of them and what they've been able to accomplish in Hollywood, like they're just people and they want to talk about books and movies like I do. This feels like the epitome of the art life right here. There it is. Sandra, how is your art life? My art life went on a similar journey, actually, as as yours from um, frustration in my case to to a really insightful breakthrough where I was sick earlier this week. I um, I had an eye problem and so it hurt to look at screens and I basically just lay in bed and rested for an entire day. And I was I was feeling really antsy and uncomfortable, especially because when I take a sick day, my whole my whole business stops. My whole creative routine stops. But what I realized in that 
unsolicited stillness that I was I was given by this eye infection was that actually when I dismantle the routine, the the work might not get done. I might not be scheduling emails and tweaking my website, but actually creativity finds a different way through. So without the ability to be sitting and writing as I normally would, I was composing songs to myself in my head as I was just lying there. And last night as we're recording this was the, yesterday was the UK general election. And so the exit poll results were coming in late at night as I was trying to fall asleep and I couldn't fall asleep. And that's always stressful in itself. Um, And so what I did was I started writing Brexit poems on my phone because it's just it's lying right there. And so what I found is that when I remember, oh, yeah, art, and it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to look like sitting at a desk or sitting in the studio. When I remember in these times of discomfort that I have, I have this, this thing in art, I I can really use it to work through how I'm feeling instead of against how I'm feeling. Well, it's such a good lesson for you, too, because your art so often or, or, you know, nearly 100% of the time is channeled into your business, right? Your essays, creating the everyday wonderland um, emails and challenges every week. I don't know if challenge is the right, is the right word, but calls to adventure. Calls to adventure. Thank you. Um it's almost like you were forced to just be creative for the sake of it. Um and I think that's really valuable for you to make something just for the sake of making it, not to publish it out for your patrons. It's actually that's a really relevant point to my thought process because as I was lying in bed last night, I was thinking about the everyday wonderland theme right now, which is quiet. And I think my my brain went into work mode of like, okay, what can I do that's productive? And so I was thinking about, well, what do I want to write for the next postcard? And then I thought, I don't I don't need to do that right now. And what whatever I know my I have my process for writing those postcards. And so I don't need to and I, I shouldn't process my own experience solely through the work that I'm putting out there for other people. I'm also kind of curious about how taking away one of your senses, like sight, influences your work, like your creativity. Like I'm always really interested in in like negative space or in like um the art that's created when there's when there's a sense or a color or um, some important element taken out. I'm wondering if you, yeah, if you like were almost given more freedom by not being able to use your eyes as much. I think it it guided me because something that something that you made me think about in that question, Grace, was how. Often I feel that way even if a sense isn't removed. When I'm working on something, if my mind is preoccupied by 
a certain thing that happened or um, or something that I'm processing, I I feel like I can't write about anything else until I get that out on paper. And what I'm writing a song about is my experience with microaggressions lately. And it was actually inspired by, I mentioned this in my other podcast, What's Your Favorite Part, where my sister Junie and I are recapping High School Musical, the musical, the series. And there's a character in that show that has had a really bad breakup and is having drama with another boy and she goes home and gets out her keyboard and starts to write a song. And it reminded me of how I would do that in high school and how I would I write I would write songs as a way of processing really big feelings and I thought, well why why don't I do that now with the kinds of things that are are bothering me now? And so I've been I've been working on this song about microaggressions and it gave in in like not being able to work on my writing that was like my default project while I was lying there with my eyes closed and so I was just singing to myself and it helped me it helped me focus on that personal issue as well what a gift yeah <laughs> and I hope I can hear the song soon if you're comfortable with sharing it to, with me I, I can't wait to share it when it becomes a thing. Exciting. That is, that is part of my criteria. And it might, I don't know what my songwriting process is because it has been like a decade. So um, I, I have no timeline on this for you. You don't need to have one either. In progress. <laughs> I'm loving the process of you writing music again. And I don't need a product. I just love hearing about it. I need reminders on, on our own show. This week's episode is called Art and Barter, which was another, uh, another Grace title that we thought sounded like a pub or something. It really does. I would, I would enjoy that, an art pub called Art and Barter. And it was inspired by... This idea, Grace, that you brought up a few episodes ago about the joy of skill sharing and trading services with other artists. And it struck me that this is this needs to be a bigger conversation because there is so much to this art of of navigating, balancing a gaining experience with uh, developing your skill set and also making money, which is a necessary part of, uh, you know, a career. So it, I happen to be reading, rereading one of my favorite books, which is called Get Rich, Lucky Bitch by Denise Duffield Thomas. And there's a passage in this book that seems to contradict what you were sharing. And so I wanted to bring up this passage so that we can discuss it. And then as reading goes, I came across yet another passage that we'll bring up later on that brings up an alternate idea as well. So we thought we'd have a little 
Art Life debate club slash book club discussion. Sounds good. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to start by reading from the section of Get Rich Lucky Bitch by Denise Duffield Thomas. It's a section near the end of the book called No More Bartering. And it's a little bit long. So enjoy the story time. She says, Giving away services for free seems to be a recurring theme with entrepreneurial women. And many get stuck at the bartering stage, where you exchange products or services with someone else. On the surface, bartering seems like a fabulous idea, especially when you have a low or zero budget to pay for services to grow your business. But when you barter instead of getting paid for your work, you devalue yourself as a businesswoman. You also show the universe that you don't see making money as a priority. A couple of lines down, at best, bartering energetically discounts your value. At worst, it takes you off track in your business. And there's another little break. If you have equal services and truly value each other's work, then you should literally pay each other the money. Yes, you'll have to pay taxes on it, and it will go through your books, but are you in business or not? You have to decide. Thanks, Denise. (laughs) Well, I read this passage, and I thought, this isn't quite what Grace is talking about, but I... A little light bulb went off at the idea of you should literally pay each other the money. And I thought, well, that's a cool idea. But I'm curious, Grace, what what is your, what do you take away from this passage? Well, I think that it's really smart. I think especially talking about how we undervalue ourselves or we don't treat ourselves as business people and how we energetically need to take those actions that establish ourselves. And I, I think for so many reasons, I do agree with her. And so much of what she said is the, is the reason why for the past uh, year or two, I've been so strict with myself about I have to be paid for my work. I don't do any work for free. Like that's the boundary. And what's been really interesting is that, you know, I've, I I have changed my mind about this a little bit only in the past few months and I've talked about it on the show. And so much of what she said, I agree with. Um, but there are examples where it just doesn't apply. Like f- for me, working with some photographers who, who no, there's no money exchange going on at all. We're basically trading time with each other. And those people that I've mentioned before on the show might have like a, a bigger following than me. Like uh, some of these photographers had like much bigger followings and connections than I do. And they need models for their work. And there's an exchange happening that's very valuable for us both. So in that way, like I can't pay the photographer for their time and they pay me for mine because that wouldn't make sense. Like we're making a collaboration. Um, And I think more, I think so much of what I'm talking about has been more about collaboration versus bartering separate skills. Mm. And I think that's, that's what you were getting at when you said, I don't think all of this applies to what you've been saying. 
Yeah, I think I think bartering is a word that is different from the the language that you've been using to describe collaboration and sharing. And the other part that I thought didn't apply to you is how the passage starts, which is about entrepreneurial women having trouble getting off the ground with their business. And you established early on these are this is these are my boundaries. And so it's after building that foundation, I guess, of how you do your work that you're thinking more creatively? Yeah, I think I'm at a different place in my life right now where I can actually grow my business and grow my art life by doing more skill sharing and doing more collaborating. It's like I'm already getting paid for my work consistently. And what I need more more than anything right now is to get new skills or to widen my circles. Like I'm feel I was feeling stuck because everything was becoming quite monotonous. And while there's so much, you know, to be grateful for just in making money from my art at all, I'm ready to expand. And a way that I can do that is by collaborating more or skill sharing with artists who I haven't I haven't made the time to do that with. And this is a good time to read a contrasting uh, passage that you shared with me, which is an essay from Becoming Dangerous called Femme as in fuck you. Fucking with the patriarchy, one lipstick application at a time by Catherine Hernandez. And if that isn't a title that I just love, I don't know what is. I can I just say I'm I was really glad that you offered to read this passage because I was like, I don't know if I can say that title out loud. Oh, I can say that title out loud. Even with the cold that I clearly have, nothing brings me more joy. <laughs> Yay, collaboration. Yeah. So I'm going to read this this passage now from Catherine. Skill sharing, labor sharing. To understand that in order to survive as femmes, we need to join forces. In a colonized society, we are taught that survival demands us to get what we can, keep what we have for ourselves, and work towards goals of success dictated by the status quo. Femme wisdom teaches us to gather for the collective, using our best strengths, that each person must teach another, and to celebrate each person's individual goals. Some of my most dear moments have been in the presence of femmes who have taught me lessons in life. I have learned dance moves, I have learned languages, I have learned mental health strategies, in turn, I have taught the decolonization of artistic practice. I have taught parents how to effectively chest feed. I have taught parents how to sleep train their newborn babies. So you sent this to me, Zandra. And immediately I fell in love, of course. I fell in love with her writing and the language and how everything she says here is so much in alignment with who I am and the kind of art life I want to live. And I think that this is so much more close to what I've been experiencing and sharing on the show, where like this is a, this kind of thinking gives us an opportunity to expand as artists and community members 
and friends and collaborators. Um, but I think that th this is where the the gray area lies because when do we, if we're open to barter with some people, when do we charge? Um, I hear people say very often, I've, I've read online, uh, people say, never discount your work for a friend. Like the, the options should be full price or free so that you're never discounting your own work, that you are choosing to give a very select amount of people something for free because that's how close you are to them rather than always giving like a, a discount to someone you know because I think there's a temptation to always if you, you know people might ask if they've met you a couple times oh can you can you discount this for me because we're friends and I really I really like that differentiation and so that's also something I think about a lot where it's like I'll never discount but I'll, I'll skill share or I'll just charge my full rate well, what that's tying into for me is that in the Catherine Hernandez passage that you just read, it's about gaining experience as individuals and gaining experience collectively and working together. But it's also about restructuring the way that this whole system works. It is changing the way that we, in some senses, communicate with each other. It takes the walls down from sharing. And discounting is is kind of doing neither. So it's not empowering you to charge your rate like Denise is advocating for. And it's also not making any progress for anyone in terms of breaking down capitalism effectively because it's working within the rules that we've been accepting yeah and i i, I don't i don't like that <laughs> <laughs> i don't think i can do that i think i can do one or the other but i i am curious in my own life and in yours like how do you draw that boundary how do you make that decision is it if you know someone has something valuable to teach you or offer you that that's when you offer that Skillshare option? I mean, you know, there like I mentioned earlier, there are opportunities. There are times when the exposure that someone can give me really is of value. And, you know, we all joke online about exposure doesn't pay my bills. Exposure isn't going to you know, feed my family. No, it's not. But that actually is really important. You know, getting a bigger audience as an artist, um, especially in the first few years of your business or especially in the first few years of doing it full time. So what are your thoughts on that? What are your thoughts on this, like, this line that has to be drawn and how to discern when the right time is to make those decisions? Hmm. I think it's it's really tricky because it's hard even with weighing up uh weighing up ideas like exposure, there are good ways of getting it and there are bad ways of getting it. And I have fallen into some muddy traps, especially as a former blogger turned essayist 
one of the reasons that I made that shift in branding, essentially, is because bloggers are often trodden over in the industry as uh, as marketing tools. And I, I was sort of finding myself self-sabotaging as well as being taken advantage of by major companies to small independent bookstores alike. There was this need for me to set boundaries that weren't clearly set in my in my field that I I really had had trouble navigating and I was I, there wasn't really a clear rate in the way that uh, Denise's paragraph really resonated with me where if it wasn't clear what value I was exchanging or selling then I was just not getting paid. Yeah, I totally understand that even as a model because there's like there's modeling and then there's like Instagram modeling, which is kind of a different thing. <laughs> and um people will sometimes approach me as if I'm an influencer or an Instagram model and be like I'll send you a free product if you post about it. And I'm like, that's not really what I do. And that doesn't pay my bills to to get a free product that I don't need. And I think that can happen with bloggers a lot too, where people act like it's a really exciting opportunity just to be given something, you know, something for free or to write for someone else's website with no payment. And I'm just not really interested in that. Yeah, and I, I think the problem was that I didn't have a clear business model. I was still transitioning from blogging as a passion project, a purely personal project, into realizing that it's what I wanted to do full time and sort of trying everything without getting clear on how I wanted to spend my time, what I was best at doing and what I most enjoy doing, which now I've identified is my personal development programs and working directly with readers. And it was really in establishing this is how I make money. This is not how I make money. Um, Namely, I don't do, I don't have sponsored content on my website. I don't review products um, and that's what a, a, a big reason that I veered away from blogging is because a lot of bloggers do make their money that way and do it very well. But it's not it doesn't help me be a writer. And so that's where that's where I made a career shift and a, a branding shift or however you want to call it in saying this is who I am and what I do. And a lot of that had to do with reclaiming my art life. I'm I'm so inspired by how really defining your desires for your career and your your title and your life helped you with some of these decisions. And I guess I'm just wondering how that applies to to other people listening. Like 
I think understanding what it is that you do and what it is that you have to offer and what you need in return, what would be helpful for you, not just money, but like even for me, example, for example, like as an actor, there are skills that people can teach me that are really useful. Like whether it's sword fighting, like that's, I'm, I'm throwing it out there because it's something I want to learn. If there are any sword fighters in LA who want to come on over, um, you let me know. Uh, <laughs> like, like I can offer someone a skill in return and that's like a valuable exchange for me. But like me posting a review of a product on Instagram, that's just like no part of that is helpful to, for me as an artist. And I realized it's not helpful for me either, even though it kind of looked like it might be. There were these opportunity, these uh, distractions disguised as Ooh. opportunities. And I, I can't end this episode without mentioning my favorite business coach, Erica Lairmark. And she calls these distractions tossing the throw rug. She has fun names for everything. And she helped me develop what she calls product confidence and business confidence. She has this amazing free resource called a business confidence checklist where it delineates all of these different aspects of your business that you need to figure out. And by going through the list one by one, some of them including um, like a a winning product or service as like an essential one. I realized what I was doing was just flailing at any opportunity to like, oh, I could make money this way or I could do it this way or I could do it this way. And instead, what I've done what I've done through work working with her was I developed one program, Everyday Wonderland, which I've now run for a year and a half. And this is such a shift from how I used to do business, which was like rewrite an entire new intensive course over and over. <laughs> I just don't need to be spending my energy doing that. Instead, I really focused on building something that will last that also takes into account the fact that I like doing things that are fresh. And so every week, the postcards have new content. I'm not repeating the same thing over and over, but there's enough of a structure that I can work within what I know already works. I'm kind of excited by the fact that this this episode has turned into something super different than what I expected, as it tends to do, which is a lot has come down to like really defining ourselves and really focusing in on and owning what we want to put out into the world and then being okay with saying no to anything that isn't that and knowing ourselves well enough to know when something is right when someone is going to help you and it's worth a skill share i think that's it and it's something that erica teaches in the importance of setting your priorities it's as simple as that and it's something that the rest of denise duffield thomas's book is about as well is getting into the mindset of knowing exactly what you want in more specific details and part of the expanded passage that i read from that it's a long chapter so i had to cut it down 
part of that includes how some women will scramble to offer something to barter for something they can't afford. And so she gave the example of of needing a certain service and offering to design that person a website. And she's not even a web designer. And so that's not even a skill that 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 sounds like a distraction to me of something that she was doing is like, oh, I could I could earn it this way. But it's not really sharing skills. It's sort of uh, going out of your way to it's getting distracted from what you need to be focusing on. Well, I'm feeling ready to go work on my resume. (laughs) Tailor it down. I really am. So, what is the art life? The art life is knowing and owning who you are. What is the art life? I want to just copy what you said, but I'll, I'll tweak it slightly. The art life is knowing and owning who you are as an artist and and business person bingo well well i did not expect to end up here either but here we are and uh speaking of ending up here if people are looking for you looking for your art where can they find you you can find my art and business at heroinetraining.com That is where you can read my essays. If you scroll all the way back down, they were at one point blog posts. You can really see the the moment where they um, coalesce. And actually, this is the first time we've recorded since I've created something new where you can see that starting point. At heroinetraining.com slash play, I have a free audiobook which is called A Play in Three Acts, and it is a set of the first three essays that I wrote as an essayist that I will read to you for free. You don't have to enter your email or anything. Just press play and enjoy. I didn't even know about that, and I'm so excited to go listen. I've just been doing so, I've been doing so much that I was like, oh yeah, and I recorded an audiobook. Amazing. But I, I do audiobooks for my patrons in a secret podcast feed called Read by Zandra. So it is part of the routine. And this was this was a, an idea that Erica had for me, actually, was to because um, I was feeling really overwhelmed by the idea of creating an opt in of some sort of like a. Uh, a quiz or a, a some sort of resource and I was like oh that doesn't feel like me and she's like why don't you create an audiobook out of like what you do already and it it was a it was one of those great examples of the importance of really knowing who I am and how I how I produce work and the work includes the marketing and the promotion like that is part of the art too and that's future episode to come <laughs> It definitely is. Grace, where can people find your art? I compile my most recent 
modeling, writing, podcasts, and more on patreon.com slash official. I continue to experiment with social media, whether it's Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, but I, I, uh, I just see those as opportunities to connect with people and then sometimes disappear. So patreon.com slash official is the best place to find me consistently. Um, and uh, listening to this show, The Art Life, is the other place where I will be consistently showing up in the future. Well, we hope that you will return to join us both on The Art Life again. If you found us this time, then I trust that you can find us again. And from my side of the world, I will wish you a good morning. And from my side of the world, I wish you a good night. Bye. Bye. This is The Art Life, a heroin training podcast with Grace Gordon and me, Zandra Robinson Burns. You can find us online at theartlife.show and send letters to The Art Life, care of Grace Gordon, P.O. Box number 4292, Valley Village, California, 91607, or email us, theartlife at herointraining.com. Our theme music is The Stream by Rory. Thank you for joining us.